Okay. In this series that we've been looking at, um, we've been looking at the four faces of man in Ezekiel's vision, which I had brought to us at the beginning of, of, the, of the new year. And that was our year. Um, oops. And each went straight forward wherever the spirit was about to go they would go without turning as they went. Now, I'd explain that 2020 would be a year of growth and that we each needed to develop and grow in those four faces in our lives. There was the face of man representing our humanity, our relationships, community. And there's the face of the lion representing our strength and authority in Christ. And there was the face of the ox, representing our loyal and hard-working service. And there was the face of the eagle, representing our spiritual life, but particularly in developing the prophetic, so that indeed we would go wherever the spirit was about to go. So I'm going to unpack that face of the eagle this morning, developing the prophetic. Now the eagle is one of the biggest and most majestic of birds. It's a bird of prey, as we all know, and it's admired all over the world really as a symbol of of power and of strength. It's a strong, strong, powerful bird. Now, the eagle's got these strong, strong, powerful wings and just soars high up in the sky, riding on those thermals, always alert, noticing the slightest movement on the ground. They've got excellent eyesight and they can see what's going on always, all around. They're always very alert. And they build their nests up in high trees and on cliffs. And... We need to ask ourselves, in my spiritual life, am I like an eagle? Am I soaring on the heights? Am I riding the thermals of God's wind? Or am I generally more like this? A pigeon. Now, we get big, fat wood pigeons in our garden, and they scuttle along on the ground underneath the bird feeders, picking up all the seed that the birds have dropped. Sometimes they do try to get into the feeders, and they sort of hang perilously upside down, don't look very elegant, and they just make a lot of flapping noise and look really daft. Now, we're meant to be like eagles in our spiritual life, not like pigeons. Now, some of you older ones will remember this story. It was in 1965. I was 12 at the time. And it was a story of Goldie, the golden eagle, if anybody remembers that. And Goldie escaped from London Zoo. Yes, some of you remember, don't you? It made the news because Goldie attacked a couple of Yorkshire terriers, ate a duck, and after about 12 days of freedom, was eventually recaptured and taken back to the zoo. But everyone came to watch. It was on the national news, and, and, and people 
came from all around with their binoculars to, to watch this, this eagle flying around London, flying free. But they were pretty disappointed because Goldie didn't behave like a golden eagle should. Didn't soar majestically and go off and find its freedom. Instead, he lived his 12 days of freedom like a big pigeon, hopping around from treetop to treetop, never venturing very far from home, and just occasionally flirting with what he could be. Now, we know that we're free. We look up to the sky above us. We can feel the upward call of God in our lives. But we're not really sure sometimes what we're supposed to do with the freedom that Jesus has won for us. It's much easier to know what we've been set free from sometimes than to know what we've been set free for. Jesus said that he'd come to give us abundant life. Now this promise is like the open sky above us. It's only as we dare to go higher. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It's only as we dare to go higher that we start to see the possibilities beyond our own horizons. So what is the prophetic and how do we develop it in our lives? Now, prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's only some who will hold the office of a prophet or have a prophetic ministry. But all can prophesy. The Bible says all can prophesy. Anyone who's a born-again believer, filled with the Holy Spirit, can prophesy. That is, they can hear God speak. Now, this isn't for some spiritual elite supergroup. This is normal day-to-day Christianity. For all of us, this is part of the normal Christian life. Quite simply, God is communicating directly with us. When, by faith, we see or hear or discern something that he's revealing to us. And it's important because the Bible says it is. It's how God works in the world. In creation, through people, we can see God speaking all the way through Scripture. It encourages and it builds up individuals, the church, and often it's the lift-off platform for evangelism and healing and prayer. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. How good is that? Don't you want to be somebody who strengthens and encourages and comforts other people, as well as being strengthened and encouraged and comforted yourself? In Genesis, at the beginning, at creation, it says, God spoke, and it came into being. John's Gospel begins with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God speaks through the beauty of creation. And God just continues to speak today. He's always pouring forth speech day after day. So how do we develop that that listening ear to, to develop that prophetic in our lives? The first question I think we have to ask ourselves is, am I asking Am I listening and am I expecting to hear? You know how it is, 
you probably all find yourself in this situation. You're chatting to a friend, you're looking them in the eye, they're talking away to you, and you suddenly realise, I've no idea what you're talking about, I'm not really listening at all. I think we can all relate to that one, we've all been somewhere else. We don't really listen, it's very hard sometimes. We don't listen attentively, and our thoughts are just somewhere else. There's so much distraction for us, our lives are so busy, aren't they? Too many things to think about all the time. Even now, probably some of us are sitting here thinking about what we're going to face when we go to work tomorrow, or what we're going to eat later, or what we're going to do. Um, and, and we're distracted. It's much the same in our spiritual lives. How attentive am I to God's voice? Is he speaking in lots and lots of different ways to me, but I'm not really listening? We miss his whispers. We can miss his promptings. Our ears are open, but we hear nothing. So what does prophecy look like? Now, God speaks in so many different ways. I can't possibly cover everything this morning, but I am going to use several quite personal stories as examples as I go through the different ways that God speaks. And I'm sure if, we, if I opened up the room and asked people to share ways God has spoken to them, big and little, throughout their lives, we'd be here all day long um, because I know that, that there'll be lots of stories. But I'm just going to use some of my own here. Now, one of the main ways that we will hear God speak to us is when we spend time alone with him, listening attentively. That's key. One concern that a lot of people have as they come into this, they think, well, how do I know it's God speaking to me? How do I know? I want to read you a, a, a very short paragraph from a book by a guy called Tony Horsfall. It's called Attentive to God. And he says this. One of the ways we can identify the voice of God is by the way he speaks with love and grace. Yes, he may challenge and rebuke us when necessary, but the tone of his voice is never one that condemns us or leaves us without hope. This is how we can distinguish between the voice of God and the voice of the devil. Satan only ever speaks to bring us down, to make us feel miserable, to threaten and accuse us. His words are harsh and condemning, leaving us feeling thoroughly miserable, completely alone and without hope. God, on the other hand, speaks to build us up, to encourage us, to motivate us to better things. His challenge comes with a promise and his commands are for our good. And after he has spoken, we feel strengthened, inspired, and optimistic for the future. Now we're going to look at some of the ways that God, that God speaks. We're going to look at the Bible first. He speaks to us through his written word, the Bible. The Greek word logos refers to this, the revealed will of God in his word. In here, in the Bible, we've got everything, everything we need to live right. How to behave, how to act, how to relate with one another. Whatever concerns we have, 
the answer's in there. Whatever problem you're facing, the answer is in the Bible. You will find it. Now, we can have a, what we might call a quiet time, and we can dash through our Bible notes for the day, if that's what we do. We can pray for our family and so on, and we can maybe feel that that's okay, can tick that box, done that, get on with the rest of my day. Duty done. Maybe we just feel guilty because we don't really spend more than a few quick moments with God each day. But if we determine to sit in his presence, we will hear him speak to us. Sometimes when you're reading, maybe part of a daily reading that you're doing, all of a sudden a word or a verse will just jump out at you. That is God's now word to you. That's the prophetic. That's God speaking right into your situation. The Greek word for that is rhema. It's, it's just come alive to you. And However, what we often do is we can sometimes, because we're sometimes orderly, be determined to just carry on and read to the end of our reading because that's what we're doing. But maybe sometimes at that point it's better just to stop. And it's more important to hear God than it is to finish your reading. So if God is bringing something to your notice, touching your heart with some truth, then stay there with it, unpack it, turn it into prayer to God. Believe it, chew it over, because that's life to you. That's God's life word to you for that particular moment. God knows what you need to hear. He loves you. So ask God to speak to you through his written word. Don't just dive in. Ask him to speak to you, expect him to speak, and you will hear him. When you do this, you're developing those listening skills, getting to know his voice. You are indeed a sheep, and he says, my sheep know my voice. Now, one time, um, Pete had left a job um, to take up another one, and we seemed to be directed that this was the right thing to go. Everything seemed to be going into place, and it seemed right. But however, shortly after he'd been there, in there very long, it all started going pear-shaped. And he got really quite distraught about it. So if we made a mistake, don't know what to do. So we were seeking God together about what he should do, about this position he'd now found himself in. Um, you know, should he push through and stay, or, or what should he do? One day, he's reading his readings, and they're just where he happened to be up to in his readings. And he was reading about Elijah in 1 Kings. And there was a command to Elijah that jumped out at Pete, and it said, these are the words, go back the way you have come. Now, we felt strongly that actually that was God speaking, but there wasn't any job from where he'd come from. There weren't any vacancies. His had been filled, and that was that. So we prayed, and we asked God to confirm that word to us. No one else knew about our dilemma, and the next day, out of the blue, we received an email from his old boss saying, there were some jobs on the internet put on today, if you might be interested. Now, that for us was confirmation. Pete did, in go back, did indeed go back the way he'd come. And that's an example of God speaking through scripture, through his word. That's prophetic. Secondly, he might take you through thoughts and impressions that you get that come to you. 
Maybe someone comes into your head out of the blue. You feel perhaps you should pray for them or send them a text or call them. That's prophetic. Very often in the past, I've received a call from someone just at that right moment, just when I was in tears or fed up or lonely, somebody rang. So I was just thinking, if you thought I'd give you a call. And that person was hearing God's voice, hearing the prophetic. Sometimes things are quite simple. Sometimes I think we don't hear God because it seems too obvious and it just goes over our head and we don't even realize it's God. But prophetic action, I mean, we see this in the Bible. Um, We see it in the book of Hosea when God tells the prophet Hosea to go and take um, a wife to himself who's a prostitute. And the reason he does that is to show that how the people have prostituted themselves to all the other religions. And sometimes, though, it's really practical. Um, Our microwave had broken a while back. And literally that same day, we had a phone call from somebody who who used to come here, actually. And they said he had a microwave. Did we know anyone who needed one? That's prophetic action. That's prophetic. You know, the prophetic is around us. It's not some obscure, super, ooh, airy fairy thing up there. It's part of our everyday lives as normal Christians. Pete and I often travel to Norfolk where we've got family. And we drive up the A303 and we stop at fleet services on the M3, some of you will know. And while we were there, Pete was just picking up our order at McDonald's. And I noticed a lady cleaning the tables. And everybody was ignoring her. And she was quietly with a lovely smile on her face going around, clearing away all the tables. And I heard God's whisper as I sat there. And I felt God say to me, go and buy that lady some flowers. Just to say to her that I notice what she's doing. Now, I could have just dismissed that as an embarrassing thing. I can't possibly do that. It's really embarrassing. But I didn't. I wandered over to the waitrose in the services, bought some flowers, came back and gave them to her. God can speak through dreams. Now, I rarely remember dreams, and generally the dreams I have are more to do with chocolate or red wine or cheese and confusion than they are to do with God. But, however, God does speak to people in dreams. And we see dreams, we see it in the Bible. Um, We can see the story of Jacob and the ladder going up and down, the angels coming up and down the ladder. We can see um, Joseph, the dreamer. Um, We can see the wise men who had a dream saying, don't go back the same way, it's not safe. Um, You know, there's lots of dreams in the Bible. And a while back, um, I saw Fee, and Fee said to me, is your Pete all right? I said, yeah. She said, only I had a dream about him the other night, she said, and um, I just thought there might be something wrong, so I got up and I prayed for him. Now, when I asked her what night it was, it turned out to be the night that um, Pete had experienced um, a real... Um, ongoing, incredibly fast heart rate. And we had the paramedics round and we ended up in A&E. It's nothing serious and it's all fine now. But that was an example of God waking Fee in the night to pray for somebody. So don't, you know, if somebody comes into your mind, sometimes I don't have dreams, but somebody might come into my mind when I wake in the night. 
If that happens, pray for them. That's prophetic. That's God's nudge just telling you, pray for that person. Sometimes there's prophetic circumstances. Now, God can sometimes speak prophetically to us through the things that are happening around about us. Um, Again, if we're expectant and if we're listening. When I moved to Devon from Norfolk for a job here, I lodged with some friends in Torquay just for a short while. And I attended the church that they went to um, just for a few weeks initially. I didn't really think it was going to be where I settled, um, but I just sort of thought, well, later on when I've got my own place to live, I'll see where that is, and then I'll think about looking for churches. It didn't work that way. Um, I'd only been in Devon a few weeks, and some friends of mine said to me, it was on a Saturday, um, would I like to come to a special weekend that they were going to go to, the uh, church in Totnes, which was, which was here. Um, so they said, I didn't know where I was going, I'd only been in Devon a few weeks. Um, they said, well, drive around to our house, you know where that is, and we can all go together. So it had been raining that night. I got out, got into the car, turned the engine on, the lights, all the rest of it, and the windscreen wipers. But the back windscreen wiper didn't work. I thought, that's a bit odd. So I tried it again, nothing. So I got out of the car to walk around the back, see what was the matter with it. Was it stuck or something? But what had actually happened was in the night, somebody had stolen it. They'd stolen the whole fitting, the whole thing. It just wasn't there. <laughs> just wasn't there. Now, this isn't what you'd call a, you know, a spiritual moment. Um, you're late and you've you know, suddenly realised someone's nicked something off your car. As I'm just walking back to the front to get a cloth, to go and wipe the back so I can see where I'm going, I hear God say to me, there's no looking back now, is there? This is where you'll be going. And it went, ooh. You know, sometimes something happens, you think, ooh. And I thought, I wonder if this church that I'm going to this morning, if that's what God means, does he mean that I'm going to come here? Um, and it did indeed turn out like that. This is, this is where I came. That's just an example of God speaking through things that happen around you. It was like a prophetic word of direction to me. Um, it was confirmed later on. I mean, don't make major directional choices in your life without confirming words. Don't go on just one word or one thing because God will always confirm it. He's, he's very keen for you to, to be where he wants. Um, prophetic preaching. Um, when we hear a preach, when someone stands up here, we all hear different things. I don't know if you've chatted with somebody sometimes and they say, oh, wasn't aid good when he preached and when he said about this and that and you're thinking, Shh, don't remember that at all. But, but what spoke to me was the bit you said about this. And it's as though we've all been listening to different things. Um, we often pray for the preacher at the start. They prayed for me, that's, that's great. But do we pray for ourselves perhaps before we come here? that God will open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to, to hear from him and to receive. You know, do we expect to be hearing God or do we just you know, turn up? Um, maybe just one line, one verse, one thing in the preach that just comes right through to your heart and you think, yeah, that's for me. That's the one I'm taking away today. We need to be attentive. We need to be expecting God to speak to us all the time. Um, but most often we can be inattentive. Our mind's wandering when we're sitting there, who's that coughing, who's that coming in and out, what's going on? Um, We're so distracted, aren't we? 
pictures and visions. Often the prophetic way opens the way for healing. Um, I said sometimes it's the jumping off point for evangelism, for healing, and for prayer. And a couple of years back, this is quite a personal story, but a couple of years back, I was sitting with the Lord on my own, completely on my own, worshipping, praying, and listening. And I saw a picture in my mind's eye, and it was of myself as a child arriving home from school. Now, arriving home from school for me was not the high spot of my day as a child. Um, I was what in those days was referred to as a latchkey kid, There'd be nobody at home, and you'd have the key around your neck and you'd let yourself in. Now, I hated it, really hated it. The house was cold, and I wasn't considered sensible enough to light a fire. It was old-fashioned days of proper fire. And it was eerie, and it made me feel lonely. I'd throw down my bag, I'd keep my coat on because I was cold, and I'd huddle up in a chair. And it was during those times that I became an avid reader, to read and read, to lose myself in a story. And it's also where I would eat my way through the biscuit tin, developing a comfort eating practice, which I struggle with even now. Anyway, in this picture, I was just about to put my key in the door, and the door opened. And there to greet me was Jesus. And he welcomed me home. He said how pleased he was that I'd got home and that I was coming to spend some time with him. And the house was warm, and it smelt of baking. It was all welcoming and lovely. And he said, come and sit down at the table, and he, he poured out this steaming hot sweet cup of hot chocolate for me, and cut a slice of cake. He baked some cake. And once I was warming up, he said, tell me all about your day. Everything that's happened, I want to know every single detail. When the picture faded, eventually... I felt God say, I was there. I was with you. You were never alone. I never left you. I'm always thrilled when you come home to spend time with me. I'm interested in every detail of your life. Now that moment for me was a moment of deep, deep healing. It really was powerful. Just through a picture I had with God, sitting all on my own. Um... I often have pictures. It's one of the ways that God speaks to me, that I hear God. Again, in a healing context, um, many years ago, after a very difficult time in my life, I'd had a deep depression, and um, I couldn't manage day-to-day life at all. I'd been unwell for many months. I had three young children then, and I worked for um, a group called Youth for Christ, Norwich Youth for Christ, is where we lived in Norwich, Um, And there was a weekend celebration going on. Um, And I was working as as the administrator for Norwich Youth for Christ at the time. And this was a large event. There were young people coming from all over the county. And although I'd done some planning and organising and stuff, which is what I did, um, I didn't have any active part in the weekend because I hadn't been off work and I hadn't really been that well. And I wasn't really feeling I wanted to cope with hundreds of young people raucous and noisy all weekend and and sorting them out. And the weekend speaker we had was a guy called Ken McGreevy. Um, Yes, some of you remember Ken. He had an amazing ministry of healing. He's now with the Lord. Now, 
my friend arranged for me to see him just before the evening celebration so he could pray with me, and I, I felt quite sort of privileged. And afterwards, I thought, well, I'll stay for the evening celebration, but I don't know if I can cope with all the people. It was a large Anglican church, you know, the ones where you've got the middle bit and you've got the two bits there. So I sat on the side bit, right up the back, hidden by the pillars out the way. And they were worshipping, and I listened to the worship, but I couldn't sing, felt too flat to, to sing. I just wept. Um, and then I saw in my mind's eye Jesus he wasn't in the main part of the church. He was just walking up towards me at the back on the side. And he had a single red rose in his hand, and he gave it to me. I sensed him saying, I love you. Now, that was a precious moment for me because I felt quite unloved at that point in my life. Um, and I thought that was great. I went away and I thought, well, I don't know, perhaps I imagined it like you do. But following the event, I received a card from one of the youth leaders who had brought a whole, whole load of, of youngsters with her, thanking Youth for Christ for all the planning and everything that they'd done. And it came to me, because I was the admin person, and the card had a picture on the front of it of a single red rose. And to me, that was perfect confirmation that actually I had indeed seen Jesus, that he loved me. And even at one of the darkest moments in my life, when I couldn't even worship that he loved me. So it's going to be very healing, the prophetic, seeing pictures and, and things like that. Um, tongues and interpretation. Another way of prophecy is by a tongue being given um, and then waiting on God for the interpretation. And it's just another way that God uses to speak. And it happens here sometimes. You'll sometimes hear somebody stand up. They'll speak out in a tongue and Maybe they or somebody else in the congregation will interpret what God is saying. Now, there's also great benefit in praying in tongues as a prayer language. If you don't have that gift, ask God for it. Um, if you do have the gift of tongues, ask yourself, when did I last pray in tongues? Am I using the gift God's given me every day? Or am I just not bothering? It's great in worship. It's great in prayer. It's great in warfare. And it's a powerful tool that God gives us. And scripture encourages us to stir up the gift that's within us. And as we do, we develop and we grow. And again, it is often the jumping off point for other gifts. When um, John and Rach were working with Jackie Pullinger in the walled city in Hong Kong, they would sit all night sometimes with addicts, heroin addicts in withdrawal, and they would do nothing but pray in tongues all night over them. And very often, that alone would deliver them from their heroin addiction as they came to know Jesus. That's powerful. That's powerful. Sometimes you'll get a prophetic word. Now, we can all prophesy. prophesy. Some people have the gift of prophecy, and a few may hold the office of a prophet, which I mentioned earlier, but everyone can prophesy. Now, people who have the gift of prophecy or hold the office of a prophet, they may consistently hear God's word for people regularly. Now, with people, some of you remember, like Ivan and Isabel Allen, who came here and prophesied over each one of us. People like John Gordon, who came here and had words for the whole church. And again, people like Jean Darnell, who had words for the whole nation, 
Um, God does raise up prophets to speak to the nations. He may show them the state of the nations and strategy for battle and all that sort of stuff. I can liken it a bit really to evangelism. There are some people who are called to the office or the ministry of an evangelist. They have a gift of evangelism. However, we are all called to evangelize, to share our faith with our friends, our families, our work colleagues, and so on. But I will reiterate, however, we can all prophesy. We can each hear God. Now, you probably notice that often it's the same people who come up here to the front with a word or a picture. Um, And maybe it's easy to sit back and let them do that. But there is a reason this happens. And it's because they regularly ask God to speak. And they expect him to speak and they listen out for his voice. Um, As an example, I have asked these people, by the way, if they don't mind me sharing before. I haven't just sharing without letting them know. Take Jean LaRue. He's often up the front, isn't he? He's like a yo-yo, back and forth with a picture, with a word. Why? The reason is because he asks and he expects to receive. You might remember a while back, I can't remember if it was last year, the year before, Aid restructured the whole leadership and he put in a, um, a sort of layer that was very confusing called ministry support. Nobody really knew what it was. There were people in ministry head of this ministry and that ministry and there was people called another layer called ministry support and everybody thought they don't quite understand this and basically you don't hear much about the people in ministry support because it's a sort of hidden role um, their main aim is to pray for a certain area of the church and Jean Leroux he's ministry support for Sunday morning services so in the week he prays for the preacher thank you Jean he prays for the worship leader he asks God what God wants to say to the congregation. That's what he does as part of that ministry support. So that's why, a lot of the time, he'll be the one who's got a word, because he's been asking. Um, We can all ask, we can all receive. Sometimes when I'm praying, God will give me a picture or a verse, and it doesn't really seem very relevant to me. But later, maybe say at prayer, praying for somebody after the service, God sends me just the right person and that word's for them. I didn't know why I got it earlier in the morning or the day before, but, but I realise. So we need to ask ourselves, each one of us, do I regularly ask God to speak and do I expect to receive? Now, as with everything, we all need guidelines on all of this. Firstly, when you receive a word or a picture or a vision or a verse that you feel, we need to do several things. We need to stop and consider first, is it for me? Because it might very well just be for you. If it is, receive it, stay with it. Is it for me to pray about? Sometimes God will give you something that you need to pray about. Is it for somebody else? Am I meant to give it to somebody else? Do I hold it for a while? Or is it for now? Is it for right this moment? So if God does give you a word, the first thing you need to think about is when you deliver it, how and when you deliver it. It might be wise to hold on to it sometimes. 
Um, and when you do give it, it might be wise to say, I think God could be saying, or something has come to my mind that may be for you, rather than saying, the Lord says, which sort of puts you in a sort of arrogant, beyond reproach sort of position. Not good. Offer it humbly. And if you have a picture or a vision, it may be that God gives somebody else the interpretation. He may tell you what this picture is representing, or he may not. You might just get a picture in faith, stand up and give it, because God will give the interpretation of that to somebody else. In all honesty, God can speak to us through so many different ways, probably far more than I've just talked about this morning. But what we each need to do is to stir up that gift and ask and expect to receive. And I believe that this morning God really wants to do a new thing, moving some of us forward in this. In Isaiah 43, God says, Forget the former things. Behold, don't dwell on the past. I'm going to do a new thing. And I think God wants to do new things in our lives all the time. So now is the time to stretch out and to grow. It's a new season for each of us in our spiritual walk with God. And we need to reach out to him for more. Now, a few years back when Fee was um, youth leader, she asked me one day, would I come and help her? Because she was going to do a treasure hunt with the young people. Now, I'm not very good at treasure hunts. Well, not the sort where you get in your car and somebody has worked out some incredibly obscure clues which lead you up some track in farmland in the middle of nowhere and you can't find your way back and everybody else is in the pub talking about the fun they've had and there you are lost. Um, I don't really like car treasure hunts. Perhaps I overthink them, I don't know. Anyway, the treasure hunt she was asking me to go on wasn't one of these. It was a spiritual treasure hunt. And what happened, she got all the young people to sit down and we all quietly asked God to give us clues, give us spiritual clues. And after a while, all the young people shared all the things that they felt God had given them. There were things like, there were very simple things like, I saw a yellow bag. I saw a middle-aged lady in the cheese shop. I saw a man wearing sandals and socks. He needs to know Jesus loves him. And there were odd things. There were loads and loads of them. Do you remember, Fee? Yeah, loads of them. And so Fee wrote them all down as they all came out, all the things the young people have said. And then they got all very excited because they were going to go out into town. And um, they had two options, didn't they, I remember. They could go out and do the treasure hunt or they could stay on the forecourt or we had a sofa to pray for anybody who came past the church. And nobody wanted to stay and pray because you and I prayed, didn't we, for people off the forecourt and they all went off and they eventually all came back absolutely full of it absolutely excited of all the divine appointments that God had given them and how they'd met people in cheese shops and people with yellow bags and a man with sandals and socks and how they'd been able to tell them that they were young people from this church and God had told them to come and find this particular person And they were able to share with them that God loved them and so on. Now, some of the words and pictures didn't happen. And that was fine, too. They were learning to listen for God's word and acting on it. And we need to get more childlike in it. So that's what we're going to do now. Don't worry, no, we're not going out to have a spiritual treasure hunt in Totnes.
But the best way of learning anything, I think, is always to do... I mean, if you're learning a new language or you're learning to play the guitar and you make a mistake, what do you do? Do you give up and never try again? No, you don't, do you? You just practice a bit more. You have another go. And practice listening for God's voice each day. You learn to recognise it and you get better at recognising it and hearing him speak to you.